This is Free Talk Live. Kicking off another esh, uh, issue or episode of Fun and Excitement. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. Starting things out here tonight, we were going to have an interview, and, of course, this is what happens, and this is exactly why I have a general policy of never announcing interviews on the show, because this is an interview we talked about at least twice on the air Mm -hmm. that we were going to have. And then what happens? Well, the dude called, uh, or he emailed me yesterday, and, you know, his email comes in with everybody else's emails, and it all comes into the same place. So I'm 50 emails behind at the moment, and I just I just didn't get to it. And so he said that he had, had to be on the road and said he was going to call us because we were going to call him, but it was he's not going to be at the same number now. And anyway, I didn't get back to him until, like, two minutes before the show. So I don't know if we're going to have that interview tonight. And I know, Wayne, you're very upset because <laughs> Wayne did so much preparation for this. Yeah, if he we... has a, at least a, a full page on a, Word, on a Word document here of questions yeah. for, for Doug Casey. So we'll get, to the, uh, we'll get to him. I'm sure we'll be able to reschedule him, and I'll do my best to make it a Wednesday night. So, uh, just for you, Wayne. All right. 800-259-9231, the latest from the United Kingdom, the Times Online reporting. Uh, we touched on this, I think it was either earlier this year or last year. Pretty scary idea. It's now coming even closer to fruition here, or there, rather, in the United Kingdom. According to the Times Online, senior social workers have given warning of the dangers posed by a new government register that will store the details of every child in England starting next year. Now, this is interesting. The social workers are the ones that are giving out the warnings. Who would have thought? Forget about the civil liberties advocates and uh, freedom advocates. It's the social workers that are concerned. They fear that the database containing the address, medical, and school details of all under-18s could be used to harm the children whom it's intended to protect. The Association of Directors of Children's Services has written to officials outlining its significant concerns about the new system called Contact Point. The Times has learned... Oh, uh, confusion over who's responsible for vetting users and policing the system, quote, may allow a situation where an abuser could be able to access contact point for illegitimate purposes with limited fear of any repercussions, said the chairman, Richard Stiff. The security fears are fueled by further, uh, further by the admission that information about the children of celebrities and politicians, hey, it's likely to be excluded from the system. What a surprise. You mean those that are connected? are somehow not going to be there with the rest of us unwashed masses? Yeah, I guess they're not concerned about the uh, the children of politicians and the children of the celebrities. Right, they must be very well taken care of. We don't have to watch those parents. The database, which goes live next year, is to contain details of every one of the 11 million children in the country, listing their name, address, and gender, as well as contact details for the general practitioner, school, and parents, and other uh, carers. The record will also include contacts with hospitals and consultants and other professionals and could show whether the child has been the subject of a formal assessment on whether he or she needs extra help. It will be available to an estimated 330,000 vetted users, some of those allowed to check records such as head teachers, doctors, youth youth offender and social workers are uncontroversial, but critics have questioned why other potential users, such as fire and rescue staff, will have access to the, to the database. So it's not that these social workers are concerned about the database. They love the idea. 
They love the idea of having the data on 11 million kids uh, in the United Kingdom. It's they just, just want that they exclusivity want, on it. Right. They don't want those cops to have access to it. They only want to be the ones. They're firemen. They want to be the only ones uh, or the ones of the, some of the exclusive group that will have access to this database. Hmm. So it's not like they're c- coming and running to your defense, uh, parents in the United Kingdom. They don't care about your freedom. They don't care about your privacy. Uh, but nonetheless... This is uh, certainly an educational article because it's telling us a little more about this system that up until this point we had just heard that was on the way. We knew this was coming. Didn't know what it was called. Now we know. It's called ch- uh, Contact Point. Now, this, is gonna, this database is going to contain what? Like, what the kids are eating for, you know, what the school officials believe that they're getting fed at home. Uh, you know, any kind of... Uh... Any, th- any information that school officials, that teachers, that doctors, that... Social workers and other government people, 330,000 people will will want to put into the database. So Anything every time, they want to put in there. Every time some bureaucrat comes in contact with a child in Great Britain, mm-hmm. they will put that information into a file and, and they'll have all that. Exactly and, right. And also don't forget that a lot of the things that are going on over in Great Britain end up finding their way over here. And That's exactly right as and, well. And didn't we say a few months back with regarding Real ID that there I'm sure there were going to be people in this country that would opt out of it, that would have the, the political connections not to be in the system. Yes. Well, the same thing looks like it's happening there with with that system. Mm, indeed. I, and apparently celebrities are uh, are being opted out, which I find interesting. It seems to me that celebrities' kids are more likely to have trouble with drugs and trouble with <laughs> getting along. Well, they're, yeah. they're concerned that uh, the stalkers might come out after the uh, celebrities' kids and find out this information. You mean the 330,000 potential vetted users? are likely to include some possible stalkers? I thought they vetted these people. Um, you mean government to, people aren't to be trusted? Not to mention that, uh, well, I, I, what I mean is that the government uh, loses stuff. Uh, you know, they the VA lost all kinds of uh, names and social security numbers. I don't know right. why the VA needs the social security number of somebody that they're trying to heal, but they have that. Well, with 330,000 users, this isn't an, a, exactly a watertight system. How it's, could it be? It's not long before somebody's going to let their password out or have their password socially engineered from them. Remember, we did the story about the IRS workers who were f- um, given a phone call by some hacker who said, uh, oh, we're running uh, some tests uh, over in your division. Uh, we just need you to, 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 what's your username? Blah, 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 blah. And uh, why don't you go ahead and change your password to ABC123, and we just need to run a few tests. Okay. Just like that. You know, and so, you know, these are government people. It's not hard to. Well, people in general, um, uh, for whatever reason, defer to authority. And as all that hacker had to do is put himself in a place of authority, even, even on the phone. And yep. that is what occurs. Now, I'm sure if you're in a hierarchical situation like the government is, um, anybody who's in there, you're going you're gonna to listen to somebody who appears to you know, have authority in that area, and off they give the, the name and password and all that kind of information. Also, in a big, big organization, the people, the, the users of computers don't know all the IT people. So so-and-so calls them one day, oh, yeah, he's the new guy in IT. Okay. And yep. you give him everything. They don't check the information. Here's a little more info on Contact Point. It was set up after the official report into the death of Victoria Climie, 
Lord Lemming concluded that the eight-year-old's murder could have been prevented had there been better communication between professionals. Regulations governing the system, which is costing £224 million to build and a further £41 million a year to run, were rushed through Parliament without publicity last month, despite a warning of the House of Lords Committee. Quote, the enormous size of the database and the huge number of probable users inevitably increased the risks of accidental or inadvertent breaches of security and of deliberate misuse of the data, which would likely to, uh, which will be likely to bring the whole scheme into disrepute. Uh, your scheme's already into disrepute, sir. You just don't know it yet. Now local councils have given warnings that changes made to the rules after consultation could leave the system open to abuse. Uh, one of the services members has written to the official in charge of the database to register fears over security. In addition to its warning over vetting, the body says that ministers are placing unreasonable and perhaps undeliverable expectations on local councils by asking them to guarantee the accuracy of the data over which they have little control. So it sounds to me, and I don't know how much, I'm not sure how local councils work over in the United Kingdom, but the way I understand this is that... They want to guarantee the accuracy of this data, but at the same time, how could they? Because 330,000 people have access to input virtually anything they want into these kids' files. So who knows what sort of nastiness, uh, you know, maybe they'll open up the files of their neighbor down the street that, uh, you know, they don't like and put in some nasty things about their kids that might not necessarily be true. Who knows the uh, different ways that this system could be abused? What do you think about this? This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you, that's 1-800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site are totally free, including updates. You get signed up, we'll keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, you'll know it first if you're on the updates list, and you can get on it for free, of course, by going to updates. .freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Do you have questions about the liquidity crisis, the China option, and the Fed chairman's unenviable choice between hyperinflation or deflationary implosion followed by hyperinflation? I have questions about all those. Visit d2z.org or contact Troy at d2z.org. We're talking about this uh, scary, Orwellian, spooky, uh, big government, tyrannical, (laughs) just awful idea that they're implementing over in the United Kingdom. It's called, as they call it, uh, Contact Point. And it will be a database containing the details, as the Times Online is reporting, of every single one of the 11 million children in the country. Well, with the exception of the children of politicians and celebrities, apparently. Mm. Uh, Listing their name, address, gender, as well as contact details for the general practitioners, school, parents, and other carers. It will include contacts with hospital consultants and professionals, other professionals, and could show whether the child's been the subject of a formal assessment on whether he or she needs extra help. This is going to be an all-purpose database. It, It means that if your kid gets in trouble at school, let's say he gets sent to the office for acting out in class. They could very well put that information, and who knows, they may be required. I'm not sure what the mandates are that go along with this. I'm not sure what the obligations will become of the different bureaucrats um, as far as what information they will have to enter into this uh, database. But in theory, they probably will have to enter in any sort of incident reports like that. Right. This is is the real-life 
permanent record that they were talking about in school. Um, this is it. If any time the child acts out in class, I mean, do you? Th- th- this kind of information will be available if, if the student, if the the person, you know, then becomes an adult and say they want to go work for the government, or maybe I don't know, maybe employers at some point will have access to this information, um, or private investigators that uh, employers could employ to uh, check people out. Do you really want a potential employer, be that the government or in the private sector, knowing what happened to you in the sixth grade? I mean, they can draw all kinds of conclusions from this information. Sure. I mean, especially if there's not that much information. If most of the information's innocuous, just uh, in, in contact and all that other stuff, and then you had an incident in uh, the sixth grade where you bit a little girl. I'm just coming up with something here. Yeah. You know, bitings occur in school, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, because there's one incident... They can draw all kinds of – the human mind will draw all kinds of conclusions from this. Oh, well, we can't have you hire this person. Uh, bite somebody. Whatever. You know. <laughs> In sixth grade. Rage problem. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, and it doesn't kind say, of stupid crap they could come up oh, with Oh, yeah. I, you know, I've know, I knew kids in school that were crazy. They were out of their minds, and now they've grown up to be respectable people. And sure. I'm sure there, may, there might be an employer, if they had access to this information on these people, might not hire them, and they wouldn't be where they are today because the employer didn't know that they were that crazy when they were young. Well, right. luckily, it might end up being that uh, everybody gets something written in their file, so the employers will have to pick between... Somebody and someone else who they both have things written in their file. <laughs> that's that's really a uh, you know it's a it's a crappy situation to put the ploy, employer in and the employee. I mean you've got the, the the choice between a kid that bit somebody in sixth grade and uh, I don't know the I remember there's this kid in kindergarten uh, his name I think was Larry and he always looked a little dirty and greasy and he liked to rub his crotch. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it was strange. Oh, that'll be right? in his file now for sure. Right. Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't even know if his name was Larry. Quite honestly. Well, now the, again, <laughs> kindergarten for God's another sake. question. Thirty-six. Another question becomes: Will this da- uh, database be permanent? In that, will this information continue to be available after age eighteen? The article makes no mention as to. Oh well, no, so it's no problem. We'll just uh, wipe it out when you turn eighteen. Oh please, that's makes a bunch no of crap. mention of that. They, uh, as, as, I, as far as I can tell, they have no plan to wipe out your information. In fact, what's like. Did, is an expansion. Yeah, What's it, likely is they'll say, well, we've had you on since you were born. We'll, uh, we'll just continue having you on. In fact, we're going to expand uh, this new uh, system contact point all the way up until death. Now, but everybody has a permanent file forever yeah. and ever. I mean, because, it, first of all, it is the You government. can't give bureaucrats this kind of information and expect them right. to take this kind of power and just throw it away at age 18. No. Well, Ludicrous. Well, nor can you expect the file on you to be completely accurate. And that's what they pointed out here. You've got 330,000 users that have been so-called vetted, uh, but they aren't. Their their entries aren't going to be vetted. What they claim, what they write in these files, are not going to be vetted. Right? Imagine, not that that would make it okay. I, imagine I don't imagine a sick, twisted Wikipedia. Essentially, yeah. that's what you've got going on for here. government people. Except yeah. that um, in Wikipedia. People care about the content. They really, really care about the content. Whereas with government, try to get your name off the terrorist no-fly list. Yeah. Try. The only way you can get off is if you're Senator Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And do you think there might be at least one uh, pervert pedophile in that group? The 330,000? Yeah. If there isn't, believe it. If there isn't now, there will be. Oh, yes. Because they'll be drawn to that. They'll get into positions where they will have that vetted access, and then who knows what they'll do. Uh, so this is really frightening, and of course, would love to hear from parents 
in the United Kingdom or people that were considering becoming parents, this to me is yet another reason to keep it in your pants as far as that's concerned. Uh, who would want to raise their kids in a uh, in a situation like this? Well, I don't think in fact, it, you've ever heard a reason to have children. The so. commenters down here... Uh, they make some great points. One of them, one of them from uh, East Sussex says, "I agree with our Canadian cousins. Where are we going to allow? Where are we going to fellow Britain? Where are we going to fellow Britons? Have we become so apathetic that we shall just sit and wait unconcerned for what appears to be a coming totalitarian nightmare?" He says, "I think it might be time to leave this sad place before the coming fall." Funnily enough, Canada seems like a nice place to migrate. Of course, migrating becomes more and more difficult as countries continue to make their immigration processes uh, more and more onerous and oppressive. Global uh, lockdown. Lisa from San Jose says, "Children raised under this scrutiny will see nothing wrong with such scrutiny when they become adults." Which is probably the point, right? As she says, very big brotherish. Well, this is indeed. Uh, there's a lot of conditioning going on here. The idea that you know kids raised today are going to be used to seeing armed uh, armed policemen standing around in the streets carrying MP5s and uh, that sort of thing, and they're going to think that this is the way things are supposed to be. They're going to be used to the knowledge that there is a file out there somewhere with information about them and their family members in it, yeah. and that that's okay because it's so po- so-called keeping them safe. Well, that's right, and if you think about it, to put this in perspective, being the old geezer of the group right among us here now, my parents grew up in the post-FDR era where a lot of socialism was, was put online, and so they, in their minds, they accept it because it's, uh, they, were, they were conned into this, accepting this incrementally. Right, all and, the propaganda you, was around then. Yes, and, and, but yet being told this was still a capitalist country. Mm-hmm. So this is the same type of thing. It, it's incrementalism so that the next generation comes to accept this police state crap. Yep, and it, this is not a, this is not going to be a very far stone's throw to get the public to accept full-on, all-lifelong databases. Because if they're going to take it for their kids, then they'll say what they'll be able to do is they'll trot out an example that they'll they'll claim is a success story, right? They'll say, well, we implemented this because a little girl was murdered back in uh, the early uh, the early aughts, and uh, we've now successfully implemented this system. And as a result, uh, uh, government estimates have said that we've saved hundreds of lives. And of course, that'll be applauded by the news media yay this system works yay and then uh, you know well now what we want to do is help keep the rest of the united kingdom safe by expanding this uh, informational system this contact point to include every single one of our citizens yay yay keep us safe government help we're afraid 1-800-259-9231 is this a good idea this is free talk live would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site, we give them away. So enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. And some of those features include live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version waiting for you for free. Freetalklive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable, reliable legal documents like your will or a living trust in minutes. 
LegalZoom.com. Use code FDL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. On the way, two taser stories. But first, we're going to the phones and to Tom in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Yeah, good evening. I just wanted to point out something about the war on drugs. You know, like where they go breaking down doors and barging into the homes of innocent people. They do. Ransack belongings and steal drugs and uh, take people hostage at gunpoint and terrify defenseless little children in the middle of the night. Yep, and shoot their dogs and all that stuff, yeah. right, Tom? Well, when you wake up with an MP5 submachine gun in your face, it, you're at a considerable disadvantage as far as fighting back goes. That's true. But if somebody had gunned down that cop <laughs> oh, last come Sunday on. morning when the cop was directing traffic outside church, then that cop would not be in your house toting the MP5 submachine gun in your face. Oh, man, oh, man. did you take your medication today? Any old cop, any time. Thanks for the call, Tom. We appreciate it. <laughs> 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Do we need to have like a, just a pre-recorded promo to run every time he uh, he calls in with his cop-killing advocacy? Oh, man. The opinions that Tom expresses on this show are not necessarily the opinions of the hosts, Look, we know the station, that, or the callers. We know that the war on drugs is awful, and there are so many tragic stories, and I, I totally understand where he's coming from on this. There are so many tragic stories of people whose homes were uh, busted into by the police in the middle of the night, and the cops come in and they'll shoot somebody and and somebody will get killed and then they'll find out they were in the wrong house. And I mean, there's all kinds of just horrific, terrible stories. But to advocate going out and just taking out cops as a result of that is just not going to get you anywhere. And I wish he would just get that through his head because he's all talk and he's no he's no action. You know, he gets on the air and talks about killing cops, but he doesn't actually go out and do it. You know, I, I think he, he doesn't. Wants, I think he wants other people to do the dirty work for him, and and I think that they're more. I think they're more sensible than that. Well, he's he's inciting violence, don't you think? I think he's attempting to. Yeah. I don't know if he actually has ever successfully incited any violence, but he's trying. Well, there there are a lot of good cops too. Exactly, and if you just smoke a cop that's uh, that's out directing traffic, you have no idea if you're getting a good cop or a bad cop. Anyway, how do you identify the bad cops? That's another question. You know, pay attention to the news in your area, and I'm not advocating going out and bumping them off, but maybe what you should do is some sort of public uh, public relations campaign, some sort of public awareness campaign that, you know, in the town of fill-in-the-blank, wherever you live, uh, these these are the bad cops. Look out for them. Know who they are. Maybe, okay. maybe ostracize them. Don't let your kids play with their kids. That sort of thing. Can't we come up with more creative ways to fight back besides pulling out the weapons? Can't we? Do we have to lower ourselves to their level? 1-800-259-9231. Because it's the government that is uh, using force on us, and I don't think that we should lower ourselves to that. We can be creative. We can put thought into what we do. 800-259-9231. But let's talk tasers. Since we're talking about cops, let's talk about one of the uh, non-lethal solutions that they have to problem people. Allegedly. In this case, it's the Waxahachie Daily Light. Resident of Waxahachie, Alan Nelms, says a call to 911 to get medical attention for his diabetic seizure ended up getting him tasered by the police instead. He said he still has no answer as to why police broke down his door earlier this year with their guns drawn before shooting him multiple times with a taser as he laid in bed. 
He says, one of the officers said I lunged at him. I asked him, how can I lunge at you from my back and on my bed? He said in an interview with the paper, all he's received, he said, is a one-paragraph statement from police that indicates the department concluded an investigation into his allegation of excessive force in less than five days, with Assistant Chief Brett Colston saying the officers operated within policy guidelines. Of course they did, because why would they want to um, go after their own officers? Exactly. This is so typical. The cops step out of line, the cops do something they shouldn't have done, and the police department closes ranks, and the, you know... The cone of silence descends, or the thin blue line of silence, whatever you want to call it, descends, and nobody says anything that could get anybody in, in uh, trouble. They all pat each other on the back for a job well done. Quote, I was, uh, the 52-year-old uh, partially disabled man who suffers from rheumatoid arthritis, yeah, he's going to jump at somebody. From his back. Right. Was having a diabetic seizure during oh. the early morning hours of April 28th when his girlfriend called 911 to request paramedics. He said, I respect the law and the police, but on this day, I was a shooting target for them when I needed help. He said in his complaint, the couple's statements indicate an officer came to the residence and inquired as to what was going on, then called for backup. Nubs told the Daily Light that he was in his bed and the couple's bedroom when the officers burst in with their guns drawn and yelling at him to get on the floor. He said he told them he needed medical help, not the police, but officers continued yelling at him to get on the floor. He said he went to roll over to his right with photographs indicating he was struck by taser barbs on his left side, his back and his shoulder. He said he was handcuffed with paramedics intervening when the officers began trying to yank the taser barbs from his skin. Paramedics removed the taser barbs and then checked his blood sugar, with officers then releasing him from the handcuffs. In her statement, Edwards, who has Lou Gehrig's disease and is on an oxygen tank, said an officer came to the door and asked her what was the matter before calling for backup and for the paramedics. She said about six or seven police officers kicked the front door in and then stormed the back bedroom where she said she could hear one telling Nelms to get on the floor. Alan was shouting, please don't do me like this. I just need help. Next thing, I heard some zing noise and he was shouting, she wrote in her statement. I asked what they were doing to him and one policeman replied, we just took care of him. What in the hell was going on here? No, I don't have any Why idea. Why were these cops so confused? What were they thinking? It, it sounds like they were con- definitely confused. It I... was clearly a medical call. I don't understand this story, but it happened. Quote, after they did their shooting and laughing, they came out of the rooms. The paramedics had to pull out the tasers. After Nelms was tasered, Edwards said, officers asked her what she was doing there. What do you do? You need a good tasering too, lady. <laughs> With Edwards telling them it uh, was her home and she lived there. They she live said, here, sir. The yeah, officers Watch said, out. That may not be good enough. What's that oxygen tank for, lady? She said the officers then questioned her about what time Nelms came home and if he was drunk or on drugs, if he ever got into fights or if he had hit her. In her statement, Edwards said she told officers that he did none of that and that he was sickly. She also said she told the officers they had called for paramedics in the past because of his seizures. She told the newspaper he never has had a problem in calling in for the paramedics before, and there's no history of his becoming violent when he is having a diabetic seizure. Edwards noted the same in her statement, which was taken as part of Nelms's complaint. Quote, of the 16 years that we've lived here and called for paramedics, police decide to come and take over and try to almost kill the man, she said in her statement. They never asked any questions, like, did he have a heart pacemaker? Did they just, or they just wanted to have fun by shooting tasers and handcuffing the man after he was shot. Nelms said after he was checked over, the police and paramedics left. He was not transported. There was no arrest made, nor charge filed. 
After his complaint was closed, Nelm said he was referred by a city council member to an attorney who told the newspaper he's filed notice with the city to preserve, uh, to preserve all the documentation and evidence relating to the incident. Quote, the police department has had a bad history of desperate treatment on the east side. They're not treated fairly, and they're not treated justly. Hmm. Quote, I bet the police wouldn't kick in a white man's door on Spring Creek, which apparently the other side of town, at 4.30 in the morning and taser him three or four times. So it sounds as though this may be a black man. It, it has that sound, but, you know, wouldn't you expect them to, you know, treat people fairly? I don't know. It just seems so bizarre. You would expect that, but then again, uh, apparently the cops know pretty well in this country that they can get away with virtually anything. That as long as they're, I mean, according to their supervisor, they were operating, they were operating correctly. According to the supervisor, the investigation showed that the cops, uh, no problem with what no, they no did. No big deal. No, just... Just look out next time you call the nine uh, nine one one for some help. They might just decide to send a crew of police over if you live in the wrong neighborhood. Don't have epilepsy. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231, the Sakel CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And we're inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site for free. If you like the show, then you can support us by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Just head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn about the program. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is a simple one. You get all the stuff on our site for free, so it's above and beyond all that. You just have, uh, hopefully will decide the show's worth it. You'll send in three, uh, three bucks a month. We'll take that money in and we'll turn it around into advertising marketing and promoting the show, getting Free Talk Live on more radio stations across the country and thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty. So if that's it is about, working. It is working. Uh, and all the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. You get a few perks as well, like access to the amp-only call-in lines, amp-only chat room and forum and more. All the details, amp.freetalklive.com. Still talking ter- uh, tasers. Story from the Waxahachie area. I believe that's Florida. Yes. It sounds Florida to me. They have a lot of hatchies down there. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the story is about a man who, a uh, man named Alan Nelms, Nelms rather. He's a 52-year-old partially disabled man who suffers from rheumatoid arthritis and was also having a diabetic seizure during the early morning hours of April 28th. His girlfriend. Now we've we, we've uh, talked about several police stories where cops just have trouble with the whole diabetic seizure thing. It confuses them, and and people get hurt in the process. That's true. There was a story uh, about a man that had pulled over. In front of like a 7-Eleven or something like that. A school principal, as I recall. Right. He was driving, and he felt a sh- diabetic seizure coming on, so he knows he needs to get off the road, pulls over into the parking lot and started having his seizure. Apparently, one of the clerks inside the store called the cops. Cops came out. They busted his window in as he was having the seizure. His passenger side window and drug him through him it. through the broken window instead of, you know, opening the door and pulling him out that way, and then proceeded to beat the living tar out of him. <laughs> And, yep, of course, he was a black man, too. So, apparently, it's worse to have a diabetic seizure while black. And this story, we believe that Mr. Nelms is black because of what uh, his attorney said, and that is that somebody, a white man across town, would not have had the taser shot at him uh, while he was having this diabet- uh, diabetic-, diabetic seizure. And the woman called, his girlfriend called for him, so they knew what the circumstances were when they were going into it, but yet they well, took maybe all Maybe they these... did, maybe they didn't. Maybe there's some crossed lines. Maybe um... they were paranoid and thought they were being ambushed, thought that they were being set up. Who knows what was going through these uh, cops' heads? Or maybe there's a couple of good old boys who knew they could get away with tasering an old black man in the uh, the middle of the night in Waxahachie. 
We don't know what was in the minds of the cops, but what we do know is that when the case was reviewed or investigated by the police, they found no wrongdoing. Oh, no problem here. Well, now the lawyer in this particular case says that, and this is unusual for a lawyer, he says, I don't care if I make a dime on this case. I don't care if this costs me money. I want to know what policy says you can kick somebody's door down and taser them for asking for medical help. This isn't going to happen in this town anymore, says the lawyer. He says he wants the names of the officers involved in the incident and that he'll renew his efforts to see a Citizens Review Board of Police established in the city, saying that while the majority of the department's officers are good officers, there are some whose actions are questionable. In addition to what Ramsey cites as a civil rights violation, he said what really disturbs him about the incident is that the officers were laughing about what happened. He said they better have everything they have on this case. There had better not be one piece of evidence that has been shredded. An internal affairs investigation was conducted after he filed his complaint with the police chief informing Nelms of its conclusion in a written response that said a review regarding your written complaint was conducted after careful consideration of your allegations we found that the officers were within our departmental policies regarding the use of a less than lethal force option on you on your during uh, an event of your residence because litigation has been threatened, surprise. little, if any, information is available for public release. A provision of the Open Records Act allows governmental agencies to withhold otherwise releasable materials under an exception of pending litigation. So they're just holding back now at this point. They're saying, well, now that you've threatened lit- litigation, uh, we don't have to give you any of this information. I guess until the actual litigation comes in, you get the discovery period and, and all of that. Apparently, so. Waxahachie's in uh, Texas. I, I thought that we were talking about, I, I guess, Lasahatchee is what I was imagining, but... Uh no, oh, well, whatever. Waxahachie, Texas, Florida. You know, it's still the good old boys network involved here behind the scenes, the thin blue line, protecting their own. You can go out apparently as a police officer and just taser some old man, and no problem. You get a, uh, you get a, maybe they'll get a bonus. Maybe they'll get a little uh, reward at the end of the year for being the, I don't know, the cops that got away with it. You know, I guess it's not so much. Um, the isn't there isn't a surprise that some cops are racist. I, I think that everybody probably um, you know knows that that's true. Yeah, it's anyone the who's way, black certainly it, knows it. It's the way the administration just covered it up and like it's okay. Yeah, but there's more on tasers. In fact, Wayne has a story. It's sort of a reverse situation almost, right? Yeah, that's right. This is a story about a good cop who refused to use a taser on a so-called assailant. Former Austin police officer, uh, department rookie officer. Ramon Perez filed a civil lawsuit on December 19th against the department, his former supervisors, and an Austin Police Department psychologist, claiming he was forced to resign because of his religious beliefs after he refused to comply with the supervisor's order to use excessive force on a suspect. Mm -hmm. In essence, Perez argues he was forced to resign in violation of his constitutional rights after refusing to violate the rights of another. This is what happens to good cops. They get forced out of the system. Or they quit because they're frustrated about uh, about the system. I say that's more likely after you know the long term they just quit. They try to be they try to be good. They try to do the right thing. In this case, he made a judgment call and said, "No, that's that's too much force. I can't do that." And then he was punished for it. Well, well here's the problem. According to the lawsuit in July or January 2005, Perez, then a rookie, still on probation and thus notably not subject to civil service law protection was punitively transferred from a day patrol shift to a night shift because he refused a senior officer's order to use his electroshock taser gun on an elderly man in questionable health who was suspected of family violence. Hmm. So he probably, if he, I don't know, maybe if he followed the order that time or had maybe disobeyed it more subtly, if he got past his probation, he would have had more protection. Right, because that's how it works with bureaucrats. Uh, they they had this sort of 
probationary phase, which is usually, a, what, a year to two years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then after they get past that phase, they then basically become immune from firing. They pretty much have to, you know, molest a kid in order to get fired. That's right. And Perez refused to uh, use the taser because the man wasn't resisting arrest, rest, and Perez was sure the man could be placed under arrest with lesser force. Ah, what a concept. Additionally, Perez said the man appeared to be in poor health and a likely candidate for a heart attack. Two additional factors that Austin Police Department's taser policy asks officers to consider before using the weapon. Hmm. Huh. Well, he's following the rules, isn't he? Right. So he was being considerate. That's right. And so the first thing they do, they put him on the night shift, which if you're a (laughs) cop is awful. Yeah. And then they force him to go to the department psychologist uh, under the guise of, of facilitating better communication between he and his felt his uh, superior officer. As, but the superior officer didn't have to go through counseling. No, of <laughs> course not. And But obviously it was that, but in reality what it was is they were trying to do a, psycho- a psychological evaluation on him to evaluate his, his uh, fitness to be a police officer. Mm. So ultimately they ended up giving him a choice, either resign and keep your peace officer license or be fired and lose it. And, and he, did, wow. he did decide to resign and keep his peace officer license. I didn't know they gave out peace officer licenses. I guess that's what you get when you become a police officer. And the interesting thing, too... They still use the term whenever they feel like it. I see. This department actually uh, had a report they did on him based on his psychologist uh, uh, interviews. And a lot of of, uh, what was in the report, which was supposedly derogatory against him, was his religious beliefs. Because he's also a part-time minister, and and he really tries to walk the walk and and not use excessive violence and force against others. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, there was a subpoena given, and finally they, they, the, the, the report was released, and it was very telling. It showed clearly that, that he was uh, um, evaluated uh, improperly and uh, in a negative way based on the fact that he was religious. And he, really? That his, um, I guess that so his they don't want religious people in uh, the police departments? Is yeah, that what you're saying? I guess they felt that, that uh, it conflicted with his um, ability to perform as a police officer. So what they really want, I mean, I'm sure most police officers would claim to be religious. What they really want is they want people that will claim to be religious, but not actually adhere to their religious beliefs, right? They want the, the ones that will wear a cross around their neck as they're using excessive force on somebody, as they're beating the hell out of a suspect. In this case, maybe. Just sad. And so now he's out of a job, and now I guess, I mean, he'll go back and do whatever, whatever else he was doing, uh, I'm sure he'll do ministering. Fine. It, it's so sad to think that they would fire a police officer over using his discretion as to when to taser somebody and not following the orders of a uh, you know uh, a superior when told to taser you know an old guy right. with health problems. That's right. Well, isn't it isn't it an officer's duty to refuse bad or illegal orders? You know, apparently not, Wayne. You know, that's <laughs> that's just the, that's what we're told, but it's just not true. At least not while they're on their probationary phase. <laughs> well, you know, then you have to do whatever they tell you. I get the feeling that if he were put in the same position again, all over again, he'd do the same thing. I think you're right about that because he seems like a man of principle, and that's somebody. With, those are people we need more of. In uh, if we're going to have government police, we need more people like him. Yes, I agree. Unfortunately, the system is designed to exclude people like him. The system is designed to keep the violent, thuggish cops in, while the ones who actually care about the people that they're arresting or the, the people that they're called to deal with are forced out. Or they move to New Hampshire. And, that would be and, nice. And join a small police department here. 1-800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. A field permit. We'll find out what that is on the way. It's Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. As we launch an hour number two of the program, it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. The place to go. The features on the site are totally free. So enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones, Barry Cooper is on the line, calling in from, uh, I believe, his home in Texas. Barry, uh, from nevergetbusted.com. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, thank you. And it's it's an unrelated subject, what I wanted to talk to you guys about. Yes, Barry, but you're a superstar. You're an Internet uh, phenomenon. I mean, I've been to your website recently. I've signed up for your newsletter, Barry's Buds, which is very very entertaining. Uh, you can get signed up for on his website. And uh, you'd mentioned that you'd been on some TV shows recently. And we'll get into why you're calling here in a moment. But I just, uh, just want to give your site a plug because it's great. Um, you were interviewed, I think, on Fox News or MSNBC or maybe both. And, uh, man, those those people that they've got on their stations are just... They're totally misinformed, aren't they? Well, they control my mic now. Fox continues to have me on because I sell tickets. My last interview was on the Geraldo at Large show. We've done over 80 uh, TV and radio interviews in the last two months since the second AP article uh, hit the wire. And now they monitor my mic. I sell tickets for Fox because I talk back and I'm reasonable Mm -hmm. and I do not let them bully me around. But, that, yeah, in those interviews that people see, I'm not there. I can't see anybody on those panels. I'll, I've got a mic in my ear that I can hear from, and I'm staring into lights and a camera because I'm in Dallas and they're in New York. Mm-hmm. So they open up surprise guests on me very often, and I sort of flip them sometimes. So uh, that's why. <laughs> yeah, you I'm do. I mean, they're very, very boxes. hostile. They're very yeah. hostile towards you, and uh, you do a great job of uh, fending off their uh, their ad hominem attacks. And uh, you know, they, they try to make you out as though you're just some burnout uh, hippie uh, police officer or former police officer. And uh, and you do a great job of standing up for uh, for ending the war on drugs. And I think it's 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 a, it's a great thing that you're doing, Barry. And so your website deserves to be plugged again. It's nevergetbusted.com. But what are you calling in for tonight? Hey, well, thanks uh, for that. Here's what I'm calling in for. Uh, we spent a week in Canada with Mark Emery last week. He's uh, DEA's top ten most wanted in Canada for selling marijuana seeds online. He's also the owner of Cannabis Culture Magazine. Yep, we've had Mark on we, the show. Great guy. Yes, he is. He's a very intelligent, fascinating man. I highly recommend that magazine. In fact, this, uh, this issue, I'm on the front cover. My name is because I prepared a four-page report on uh, the secrets of canines. But anyhow, when we uh, uh, flew from Canada to Dallas Monday, uh, my daughters called me. I've got a 15-year-old and 11-year-old in Big Sandy School District, which is a little bitty school, little town. Everybody knows us. Uh, They're 15 and 11. They're straight-A students, no disciplinary problems, and they were sent home and told not to return to school because they have the, you know, the style now is the red streaks and the blonde hair. Yeah, like highlights or whatever? Yeah, highlights. Yeah. So they've got that. So the principal uh, told them not to come back to school. So to make a long story short, I called the mayor, the chief of police, the superintendent, 
And even the chief of police called the principal and said, you really need to compromise with Barry, allow the kids to come back to school until he could go through the proper change with the school board, whatnot, whatnot. The school was not willing to do that, so we carried it to the extreme today. My daughters walked in the class. Uh, the principal and the teachers tried to get them to come to the office. They refused. They said, no, we're in protest. Our hair is protected. It's not making a religious, racist, or political statement and we're not going to obey you. We're only going to uh, listen to what my dad says or the police says. So they were very brave, wow. and all the uh, courage is contagious. The kids were screaming, way to go, Kelsey, way to go, Kenzie, sure. because they're popular. And we went through the entire process. They locked the school down, they, and, and they brought the police Locked the school down said, over, over uh, uh, some red highlights. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and they said if the kids didn't leave, they brought the police in. Said if these, if you do not leave, the police said if you do not leave, we will arrest you and put you in in uh, juvenile detention. Which, of course, at that point, I said, okay, I will take the, them home. So they're su hmm. suspended for three days, and we're going to pick it in front of the school tomorrow. Wow. What, now, what is the, uh, I mean, is this part of the dress code, or um, what was it the offending, uh, exactly, what was this that was offensive about this to the school? What was their claim, that you aren't allowed to have highlighted hair? I have all this videoed, and the policy explains that there's no hair color that uh, is allowed that is distractive. So I asked the uh, principal, I said, who is it distracting? And he said, him. And then I said, okay, something's wrong with you if you have a master's degree and you can't run this school because my daughters have red <laughs> highlights in their hair. Yeah. And to make sure I was right, my parents teach just up the road 20 miles from here at Harmony Independent School District. My dad's been a high school math teacher for 20 years there and still is. My mother's been a high school computer teacher there for 15 years and still is. And they said it's ridiculous. They don't care if somebody's bald or has purple hair. It's not distracting. They can teach. So the principal's answer was, okay, well, it's bothering teachers. I said, well, we need to get new teachers in here if they can't teach math or science or English because of the red highlights. I've never heard hair. of such a thing. I mean, we've certainly heard stories about people wearing revealing clothing or something like that, but uh, the idea that uh, the color of someone's hair is uh, problematic. It, it seems like something, a throwback for uh, you know a couple of decades ago. Uh, when I was in high school, you couldn't shave portions of your head. I mean, with a Bic razor. You could uh, you know, clipper portions if you wanted to and get it nice and low, but really? you couldn't actually have a bald head with like a mohawk. You couldn't yeah. do a mohawk with the you know shaved portions. And I'm sure that you couldn't have had uh, hmm. blue or red or hair or something like that. So it seems like, you know, just kind of a couple of decades behind there in the big Sandy school district. Unbelievable. When I was in high school, one of, one of, these, one of the guys I knew for Halloween shaved his whole body, half his body, and he had a beard, too. So he shaved his ha half his body from t head to toe. Right. And, of course, the next day he came to school that way. Sure. And nobody said anything. No they problem. Just, yeah, he was crazy, Kurt. Nobody said anything. That's the way it should be. So you guys are going to do what? What were you going to do tomorrow, Barry? You're going to stage a yeah, protest? Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow we're picketing in front of the school. We're not allowed on the school grounds because the girls are suspended for three days. And we're talking about honor roll students with no discipline problems. And here's the root, people. Here's the, I figured out what's happening. The principal and a few of the teachers and those, they've become so desensitized to their rights being stripped from them over the last 20 years, they will obey anything that's written, even if it's written by an idiot, even if it's an idiot rule. Grown men and women are not standing up any longer and saying, you know what, 
that is absolutely ridiculous, and I'm not going to obey it. Americans, unfortunately, not all of us, but and we're going to turn America around, but we've become desensitized, and we'll follow any rule that anybody's written, and that's what they're doing. You're right, and that it's been uh, sort of, we were talking about this earlier, this gradualism over in uh, the United Kingdom. They are creating a database of 11 million of every single one of the kids that's under the age of 18 in the United Kingdom. It's all going to be in a database now, which 330,000 government bureaucrats and teachers and that sort of thing have access to. And, you know, we were talking about this last hour, and that it's just step by step. They're just acting acclimating people to more and more control, and they're getting people used to this crap so they can keep stepping in that direction. And before you know it, we're going to live in a, a totalitarian police state. It, you're exactly right, and that's what it's about. And the Supreme Court, unfortunately, has been ruling against students and for the ad- administration. Well, now we've got 12-year-olds that are, are complying and not fixing their hair like they want, So when they become 30 years old, they'll be so used to that, the Supreme Court and the police can tell them anything, and they'll obey. Well, we're not. We're doing an act of civil disobedience. We can't take care of the rest of the world, but we can take care of our little community of 1,200 people, and we're going to do what we can to get our rights back. Now, when you were talking about the Supreme Court cases, were you referring to the Bong Hits for Jesus case? Yes, the Bong Hits for Jesus, even though it's a different circumstance, Channel 7, our local area, reported last night's news a school 20 miles from us kicked a kindergarten out of school, told him not to come back, and if he does, they'll put him in isolation because his hair was too long. And then Henderson School, only 50 miles from us, uh, Channel 19 reported they weren't allowing a black kid in there because he was black. Now, out of the, control. It's crazy. Out of control. Hey, Barry, can you hang on? I want to talk to you a little bit more if you've got the time. Yeah, man, of course. I've got an asset forfeiture story I'd love to have you uh, comment on as a uh, former drug enforcement agent. More on the way with Barry Cooper from NeverGetBusted.com. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything you want. 1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, that's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on our website, we give them away. So enjoy those on us, including the bulletin board system. We've got over a quarter of a million posts there. Lots of people talking about different things, serious issues, and fun stuff. You'll find it all, and it's all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. We're going back to the phones. Back to Barry Cooper calling in from Texas. He is the man behind NeverGetBusted.com. Of course, we've had Barry on the show in the past. And actually, he was calling in tonight just to talk about not necessarily his website and what he's doing there, but uh, something that happened with his uh, his personal life. His daughters in a Texas school, government school, were um, apparently kicked out because and suspended for three days because they had the... I guess, gall to come to school with some red highlights in their hair. And, and don't forget the, the straight A's. Oh, yeah, there's that, too. Yeah, they're good <laughs> students with 
that decide they want to dye their hair a little red. And deal. so I don't know if you're, I don't know, maybe, I'm thinking maybe you're being targeted, Barry. I, I just, it just seems completely unusual what's going on here. But what I love is that you're standing up for your daughters in this case. You're not saying, okay, honey, we'll just have to change your hair color back. Uh, you guys are actually uh, going to go out and do a, a protest across the street from the school sometime tomorrow. Well, yes, and more important than me backing my daughters up is me teaching my kids. We need to teach our children uh, not to obey bad law. If we can get our children taught, and it was funny because the principal didn't want my video camera in there. Of course, I knew he couldn't stop me. He said, the kids don't need to hear this. I said, no, every kid needs to hear this. Every American. They need to be taught about yeah. their rights. And why in the world would you be trying to hide this from the children? So, yeah, absolutely. Parents, teach your kids bravery. Teach That's right. your kids honor. Teach your kids respect and loyalty. You know what? Since my kids were uh, just born, we did not concentrate on teaching them don't drink, don't cuss, don't smoke, don't have sex. Mm -hmm. The things in 2007 that most parents teach to make them look like a good parent. We taught our kids the valuable things in our home are honor, loyalty, respect, kindness, love, courage, bravery. Those are the things we honor in our house. That way, and this is kind of funny, but it's the truth, when they get to be teenagers and they're drinking, smoking, cussing, and having sex, <laughs> at least we've got a respectful, helpful, courageous, brave, honorable teenager doing these things. Yeah, you tell a teenager not to do something, and it's just a matter of time before they get around to doing it. It's just, I don't understand that parenting tell tactic. Me not, tell me not to do something. Yeah. It's the same way prohibition just does not work. Exactly right. And, of course, you learned that uh, very effectively as you're t uh, with, when you were um, operating as a uh, drug enforcement agent there in Texas, which I will get into that here in a moment, but I, I really think it's great what you're doing, uh, encouraging your, your daughters and everybody else by proxy of listening to us talking about this on the show. We talk about it frequently on Free Talk Live. You know, bad laws deserve to be disobeyed. Um, and that the idea that Americans have, have come to this point in this country where, you know, they just believe that if it comes out of the legislature, it must be... All truth. You yeah, know, they, it must they must be know worshipped. for our own good because they're smarter than us, and we yeah, should listen to them. It does, you should not listen. You should take. Uh, you should judge based on your own value set and uh, and and disobey bad laws. In fact, I think that police officers uh, should be encouraged to not enforce bad laws. I know <laughs> they're they're going to tell me every time I bring it up that well, it's my job to enforce the law regardless of what it says. But you know, the fact is, as you said before, Mark, it was the law in Nazi Germany to arrest uh, to arrest Jews. Should they have been following that law? Hell no, they shouldn't have. And so oh, I wish... it was a law in the U.S. that if a slave escaped, you could beat that slave. Just because it's a law doesn't make it the right thing to do. Yep. That's right. And actually, Barry brought one of those points up on his uh, interview on Fox or what, whatever's on his website. It's either Fox or MSNBC. MSNBC. And, uh, and they, just, they just can't get it through their heads. They, these, uh, these anchors, they are just so thick-headed on these issues. It's amazing. They're sold. Fox is not interested in getting good information out. Fox is interested in selling tickets. When their rates increase, they make more money. And unfortunately, the owner of Fox just bought Wall Street Journal. Mm. Ooh, it's true. They're also now, interested in shaping public opinion. Right, to accept this kind of garbage that we're talking about. That's right. Well, and what's strange is I've talked to over 50 parents today that have called me and that I've met, and they said, well, you know, my daughter, uh, I knew the rules, so I didn't send her to school like that. I, I changed her hair. 
And I said, well, that's the problem. And every parent, when I faced the parent, nice, but with authority, they said, I know, I know that's the problem. And this is not even a law. Parents even know they need to stand up to this you know, bold. Da, 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 da. Absolutely. And as you said, Barry, what it really takes is just one person or a handful of people with the courage to stand up, and that helps encourage others who might not have normally even considered it to actually give it some thought and maybe even stand up as well. So the fact that you're out there doing it, we're here doing it on Free Talk Live, hopefully it'll give some people some courage and they'll get out there and, uh, and stand up for liberty and freedom. Real quick, before we let you go, uh, there's a story coming up here on the show we'll hopefully get to about a truck driver who was recently busted uh, with 20 23000 almost $24,000 in the cab of his truck, and the police confiscated it. They didn't arrest him for anything, because he didn't actually do anything wrong, but apparently having money in America, having a large amount of cash, automatically means you're a drug dealer, and by law, you have to prove that you didn't get that money from doing uh, from dealing drugs in order to even have a chance at getting it back, presuming you can even afford the lawyer to go to court and prove those things. Can I mean, did you ever encounter this uh, when you were a drug enforcement agent? Oh, my God, I did it all of the time because seizing property, there's less of a uh, an expectation. It's not expectation of privacy. Hang on. To seize property, it's less burden of proof than to seize a human because the courts have ruled a human's worth more than property. Mm. So when we arrest a human, we have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. When we arrest property like this $24,000 or when we seize property, we only have to prove in court a preponderance of the evidence, which is 51% we can articulate that it's drug money. And if we win 51%, then we win. So the burden of proof is much less. I knew that as a police officer, and I seized money without drugs all the time. And I'm going to tell you you what else uh, we did and what cops are doing. Don't don't people listeners don't throw rocks at me. I'm blowing the whistle. I know I was wrong when I did this, but here's what I did, and here's what other cops are doing. They will seize your cash. It's a civil seizure. They actually do not want to file criminal charges on you mm-hmm. because they tell you, like I said, if you come back to court to fight for this money. I'm going to file criminal lawn, uh, money laundering charges oh, on you. Mm-hmm. And so they hold it over your head. Them, yeah, that ex- discouraged them from uh, hiring an attorney because they were worried they were going to go to jail and we would win the, win the money with the default. They right. wouldn't even show up to court. They just want it all to go away at that point because they don't want to face any charges personally. And I'm sure there's been more than one case of a cop finding $50,000, slipping 10000 into his pocket and reporting forty. Barry, thank you for the call. We really appreciate being on the show, and I know we're going to have you back. I know you're working on new videos, and uh, we're definitely going to have you back when you come out with your newest one, the 50-50 video, which, of course, you'll tell our listeners all about at that time. Thanks, Barry. Yeah, and uh, Free Talk Live rocks. Thanks, dude. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231, the single CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on our website, we give them away, so enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones to the fun talk to joseph in tennessee joseph you're on free talk live hello hi hi yeah i was just calling up i wanted to talk about the law of the sea treaty it's something i just recently heard about the what treaty the law of the sea treaty okay what's that uh, basically um it was created by the u.n as a method for government activities on over and beneath the ocean surface and? okay and it's uh, from what i've read it focuses primarily on navigational and transit issues. It also contains provisions on the regulation of deep-sea mining and the redistribution of wealth to underdeveloped countries. Of course. Okay. So if they find minerals, gold in the ocean, the money's going to go to uh, Eritrea as opposed to whomever finds it? Yeah. Basically what it's saying, you know, just, you know, they have to, um, companies who uh, mine the oceans, they have to they have to pay an annual fee of up to one million dollars um, to the as UN. Well as, to the UN, as well as an annual, as um, as well as that increasing annually up to seven percent. Hmm. Wow! So it looks they like have, we do already have world government. It's just that they've taken over the uh, the international waters. Yes. Oh. If this if this is ratified. Yeah, it it hasn't con- been ratified yet. Yeah, it was I conceived goodness. back in 1982 by the U.N., and it, the Reagan administration was really very much against it. And the Bush administration at first has been sort of against it, but now they're sort of coming out for it. Yeah. I don't know who's getting a payoff there. Well, he doesn't have to get reelected now, so I guess it doesn't really matter to him, right? Yeah, so he's expressing interest in joining this international seabed authority and all this Yuck. baloney. Sounds like a bad idea. Joseph, thanks for alerting us to it. We appreciate the call. Let's talk to Carl in Montreal. Carl, you're on Carl Free Talk Rob. Live. Hello, Carl's gone. Let's try Sam in Texas. Sam, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, gentlemen. Hey there. Uh, Mark, the, a while back when you read the story about the TSA uh, missing 90% of guns, bombs, and knives, that they're tested on, you said, you made a comment and said, wouldn't it be funny if somebody handed this story to the TSA? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, I agreed. So I, I, that gave me an idea. I combined your idea with something Dave Ridley does and created a petition for regressive grievances against the TSA mm-hmm. and put the article on the second page. And I was going to, you know, hand that out to people at the airport when I'm traveling and flying without ID. Mm-hmm. But a friend of mine got a hold of it who is an artist and turned it into this really nice brochure that's a trifold brochure with artwork and just looks fantastic. It's post, There's pictures of it posted on uh, NH Free in the Civil Disobedience Forum. Yeah, I saw it earlier today. It really looks slick. Yeah, and and um, now I know that Dave Ridley got kicked out of the Manchester airport for um, protesting against the TSA, but I think that was Russell mm-hmm. Canning. Was it Russell? Well, no, I think um, Dave Ridley was carrying a sign, and he Maybe. walked very slowly oh, yeah, out. Oh yeah, that's right. You're right. And um, yeah. but the result, but he didn't have a ticket. So if you were handing these things out and had a ticket, it might be a different story. Go ahead. Well, and yeah, so I, I had another, a further idea to turn it into a ticket sleeve <laughs> that my ticket slides right into. So that way, when I go through security and they always ask for your boarding pass, I hand them 
my petition with my ticket folded up inside of it, and it's titled, What You Should Know About the TSA. Oh, that's great, because that'll make them so, want to read it. It wouldn't just be, you know, um, it doesn't give itself away entirely right away. It's what you right. would want to know. So, so your intention is to hand them this and then take the ticket back but leave the uh, holder with them for, for them to read? Well, actually, I, I built it for a number of reasons, and I got the chance to use it today and had quite an experience I want to tell you guys about. Yeah, and we do. want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I also, the, my friend who created the flyer decided she wanted to see it as well, and she came and videotaped me, uh, at least on the outside of security. So I'm going to put yeah, like cameras little, being I'm, around. I'm surprised they even let you do that much. Well, she's a, actually a professional photographer and videographer and all that as well. So she went early to take pictures and see, and it turned out the cameras were fine. Huh. Um, huh. So I went up to the to the ticket counter, got my pass. The uh, lady checking me in was not real friendly, told me to take my bag over to uh, the TSA to drop off to be screened. And normally I just carry it over there, drop it, and turn around and leave. And uh, they don't say anything. But this time they weren't busy because it was the middle of the afternoon. And the lady, as I turned to walk away, says, Excuse me, sir, sir, I have questions for you. And mm. I turned around and said, I'm not interested in answering your questions. Thanks, and kept walking. <laughs> and she immediately yelled, "Supervisor, supervisor!" Now, what 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 was it that she um, wanted to ask you about? Likely that you had left one of these uh, pamphlets there. No, no. This I was dropping my suitcase off. Okay. For to go through their so you get into the punchline. Gotcha. They probably ask questions like, "Did you leave this by itself, or did you give your suitcase yeah. to any other persons that well, you did not know?" That sort of thing. The supervisor comes over and threatens me and says it's federal law that I have to stand by my bag and answer their questions. That doesn't and sound I told right. Him I thought he was making that up, and he's like, "No, well, I'll call DHS and get you know them over here if you have a problem with this." So eventually, the three questions Who's were: DHS? "Is your bag?" Huh? Who's DHS? Department of Homeland, Homeland Security. Security. Department okay. of Homeland Security, yeah. So the three questions were, is your bag locked? And I said, well, you can obviously see the zipper's right there. It's not locked. And he <laughs> asked, uh, Special invisible locks. do you have any firearms in your bag? And I'm thinking, now, is that how you figure out if people are carrying weapons? Because you sure can't actually find them on your own. Right. And then the, the third question was, uh, do I have any film? And I answered no to all those and left. Do you have um, any film? Yeah, I, I guess because they're they don't want to they don't X-ray and ruin the film and overexpose it. Gotcha. Okay, so by the way, was that all caught on video? That uh, that whole that part was yes. Okay. So you can see, and it got pretty heated to where um, I'm saying he's telling me it's federal law, and I'm saying, do you have proof of claim that I'm required? You uh, stand there and answer these questions. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll call my supervisor, and that was his answer. Okay, right. call the supervisor. You know, it just doesn't <laughs> sound like an American has to obey those things. But then again, it's their, you know, they're their airports. They've well, they've managed yeah, to take well, them away from. When he stood up for himself and asked for the proof of claim, you know, proof that uh, you are indeed obligated to do that, or proof of the law that he claimed to be uh, upholding, he just backed right down and said, "I'll call somebody." And he, did he ever call somebody? No, eventually I submitted to the questions because they were right. getting a little violent and aggressive. Sure, so sure. So then what? I had more to accomplish. Uh, so then I go over to security, and my friend is back there filming it, and they see this. I uh, get a guy who's about to quit, and he's the one that's going to pat me down and do my bag search. And it turns out he wanted to do a documentary on the TSA. Mm, and so we start talking about this, and I think we're actually – I'm bouncing the idea around with some friends. I think we might actually do – of like an hour and a half documentary with some, oh, we've got some really good ideas. Cool. But uh, he was fairly friendly. So then 
I'm cleared of security. I get through, and I'm walking around to my gate. I get to the gate, and, oh, no, I've lost my boarding pass. It fell out of my pocket, so I'm like, oh, I need that. I went back to uh, the security check to see if it was there. Now, did and it fall out in its specially designed holder that you made? Yes, okay. it did. Oh, God. It was still tucked in there. Uh, and I Hello, embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't see it. Uh, they didn't see it anywhere where I was searched or anything like that. But there were two supervisors over by the desk, one guy in a really nice suit and the regular supervisor that was there when I went through. And when I walked over, they were reading the flyer. <laughs> so I think it had fallen on the floor. Somebody picked it up, brought it to him, and rather than just give it right back to me, they didn't do that. And he was, he, when he saw me, he tucked it away in his book really quick. Interesting. Now, they told me it's an electronic ticket. Go back to the gate. They'll get you another one, and uh, you know, you'll be in good shape. So I did that, and the guy said, okay, I just need to see government-issued ID. Uh, well, that's a problem. Don't I don't show. have any ID right. to show you. And so he called the American supervisor over. This guy comes out. I explained the problem. I said, look, I really screwed up when I lost my boarding pass. Do I need to just go back through security and get another one? He's like, no, we'll work it out. You know, wait right here. So we, I do that. They're talking amongst themselves. The pilots are getting involved. Passengers are looking, going, what's going on? And Right, because uh, normally when you are going through the lines without identification, which you do every time you fly, it doesn't really cause a huge commotion. But in this case, people are starting to pay attention. And I'll let you yes, finish your story. Hang on, Sam. Stuff. Hang on. 800-259-9231. Again, his brochure is on the NHFree forums. If you go to forum.nhfree.com, into the civil disobedience thread. You'll find it there. It's pretty slick. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. You like the show, you want to help support us, then go and shop at store.freetalklive.com. All kinds of great Free Talk Live branded merchandise. High quality products. We did not cut corners. This is not cheap crap. You're going to like it. Uh, we've got everything from a, a variety of hoodies to a variety of t-shirts to a variety of hats and more. Even things that don't even have our logo on them. Just selling them because we think they're cool. Head over to store.freetalklive.com as we go back to the phones and back to Sam in Texas. Now, Sam, just to quickly recap, you are somebody who, whenever you fly, and apparently you fly fairly often, uh, right. You fly without showing identification. And first and foremost, that's something that most Americans don't even know that you can do. It's completely legal to fly without having a government ID. When you go and get your ticket, you usually just swipe a credit card or something like that. And so that's how they know that it's your ticket. And then uh, when you go and you approach the uh, the bureaucrat that's, that usually you would think you have to show your ID to, you simply say something along the lines of, I don't have ID to show you. Uh, what's the What's the line you use? Uh, just that. It's either I don't have ID or I don't have any ID to show you. Right. I, what I, I have started doing, though, is actually showing them my uh, private ID from work, which has my company name, uh, badge. Uh, hmm. It's on a you know, key card and picture with my name on it, that's and that idea. works. Um, and it, it, that's just to let them, the airlines feel comfortable that there's some legitimacy to my claim that I'm this person. Indeed, indeed. Um, but you don't have to show ID, so you don't. Um, but also, you've sort of taken an, just a, an active role as a TSA, anti-TSA activist now, and you've created a brochure that is sort of in the form of, I think you've got, isn't it two brochures? Don't you have like a trifold, and you also it, have a... Um, it's double-sided. 
Okay. Um, and and then, it just folds up. And then you also have a ticket sleeve brochure that you've, you've come up with, you and a graphic designer friend. And so in your most recent trip to the airport today, you went in with a uh, friend who was videotaping the whole thing, and I hope you'll put it up on YouTube so everyone else can watch it at some point. But uh, you I went will. in there, and you got past security initially, and you, as you were getting to the, the gate, you realized you had lost your boarding pass. And the boarding pass was being held by this brochure that you created with uh, information about the TSA and how they're a bunch of bureaucrats and they're awful, I presume, and they don't catch bombs and that sort of thing. And, uh, and then you went and you found that uh, – you went looking for it. You found that the TSA had, co- had taken it and they were reading it. Then you went up to the desk, the airline's desk, to try to get a new boarding pass printed out, and that's where you left off your story. So go ahead and tell the rest. Right. So I'm back at the gate, and I've explained the situation to the American Airlines supervisor, and he's like, hang tight, let me you know, check into this. Then the, the same guy that was reading the brochure in the suit comes over, and he's the uh, DHS head for the airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk for a while, and eventually two cops show up and join them, and they all start talking for a while. Huh. So I'm hanging out, and uh, eventually I'm on the opposite side of a big concrete pillar from them, and the cops are, are, you know, ready to come talk to me. So they come at me from both – they split the pillar between them, and they come around, you know, from both sides at once like they're going to intimidate me or something. Right. Uh, and one of them walks up and says, uh, you know, hey, I need to see – I want you to show me some ID. And I <laughs> Because I don't have to. He, That's why not. Yeah. I squared off. I looked him straight in the eye and said, I don't think – I don't have any ID to show you. And he said, come on. Uh, you went through security. You can't get back here without showing federal ID. Huh. And this, so wrong. this was an airport police officer. Right. I mean, I can ignorance of the law is no excuse, but I can understand maybe a regular uh, beat cop not knowing that. But right. airport police, give me a break. Uh, so he's just trying to be intimidating. Asked, yeah, he asked my name. I give him that, and uh, then he asked my middle name, and I said, I don't think I'm required to give you that. The Supreme Court has said, you know, name and uh, where you live. And the, the town I live in is so-and-so. And so I told him that. Uh, then he starts asking for my date of birth, which I just refused to give him. And we eventually make it over to the ticket counter, and we're discussing this more, and this is in front of the American Airlines uh, manager or supervisor. And uh, I repeat the Supreme Court thing, and he says, I don't care about the Supreme Court. Of course. I bet he doesn't. This is, the, this is the police officer. So I looked at him, and I just I said, I have a really? gun, sir. You don't care about the Supreme Court. And a couple people in line uh, to my left saw, heard that and looked over. And the cop, like, I could tell he was flustered. He didn't, mm. he, like, didn't know what to do. And then he just asked me some other question, like, well, we need to know who you are. <laughs> they, they were really, it's like that video you played of the guy crossing the border stop. They're yeah. really evasive and don't answer. They never really answered my questions, but always had their own that, you know, that they had to get an answer to. Right, which you didn't give them. Very much. Right. I did not. So eventually, the American Airlines supervisor, as he sees this is not going to move anywhere, he pulls me to the side and says, hey, we're just trying to verify who you are. Can you do that? I said, sure, I'm happy to give it to you. I'm just not going to turn over my information to these government people. Right. Uh, so he verified my, my uh, address and my date of birth. And how did and you, it, how did you the, verify that with him? I mean, how did that process go? He asked, he asked uh, what's your address? He had a little white piece of paper in his hand, mm-hmm. and I, read, I you know, spit it off to him real quick. He said, what's your date of birth? I gave him that, and he said, okay. Good enough. And then 
this is what he did, though, that I really disturbed about. He took that piece of paper, walked over, and handed it to the cop. Yeah. Well, that's, so that's now, what I would expect him to well, do. Well, he's a flunky, you know? I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't know what his rights are. He doesn't know um, what well, your what rights about, are. Yeah, my rights were just violated there because that officer didn't have a warrant. I obviously did not consent to the search, mm. and he just turned everything over. I guess you should have, next time you'll have to uh, tell the Air, American Airlines guy that, uh, look, I'll give you this information as long as you agree not to give it to him or give it to any government people. Right, I'm I just suppose. not consenting to a search. Right, he got, you gave him the information, and then he gave the information right, to the Right, at cops. that point, he's essentially, um, you know, you've empowered him to do whatever, you, whatever he wants with it because you didn't make yeah, any comments. Yeah, and he had a little card that he was trying to fill out uh, that he uh, wrote, started writing all the information down and copying it over. So I'm, I'm curious to see if I'm going to get one of the famous TSA fines that I can't challenge in Ooh, court yeah. or uh, maybe a visit from somebody. We'll see. It'll be interesting. So that's but, where uh, it ended after then. that, they gave me the okay. They actually were holding the plane late. Wow. <laughs> I felt really bad about that. I told them to send it, but they wouldn't. And uh, I got on the plane. Uh, we got diverted to Birmingham, eventually made it to Atlanta, and here I am. That's it amazing. Now, your brochure that you created, again, people can see it over at uh, forum.nhfree.com. They're, look, they're pretty small pictures, though. Have you posted anything bigger since I saw that? or? I haven't, and I won't be back till Saturday to where I can do that. I'll okay. see if I can get I'll, I'll get some bigger ones out there. It's just one brochure, Ian. Because I don't know if you're planning on selling this or anything like that, but I think if you were going to give it away, which I think would be a great thing, um, you may want to post like a PDF so people can, can grab it and then use their own printing services like a Kinko's or something like that to make their own. Yeah, we, we did a rush job um, yesterday to get these printed in time for me to use on the flight out here. So uh, I don't, I'd like to just give it away to anybody that wants cool. to get it printed on their own. Very I've got good. to talk to the person who did it. Sam, but, keep, uh, us, uh, keep us in the loop on this. Let us know if anything else develops from the situation. And thanks for all the hard work and the activism. That's a, you've done a great job, sir. Okay. Thanks, thanks for the call, dude. 800-259-9231. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the uh, the people sitting there waiting for their plane were thinking as they were watching all this unfold? Likely that jerk. I wish he'd just give them the um, the, the information. I mean, yeah, most people don't care about your um, you know they don't care about standing for principle. They care about getting to their destination. Yeah, and the other ones are going to be saying, yeah, but those TSA people are there to prevent another 9/11. <laughs> They're there to protect us. But well, you never know what people are thinking because I'm I, I, I'm no it, it's it's I'm never I'm always surprised by uh, you know how pro liberty some people can be and then you know the others of course are just you know lockstep bumper sticker uh, flag wavers. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you want to share uh, an activism story with us or whatever's on your mind, let's go to Rob in Canada. Rob, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hi guys. Hey there. What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to call in and clarify a story you had a couple of weeks about the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. Yes. And I think that uh, you guys maybe have been, probably not intentionally misled, that it's a private hospital. Um, th- there aren't any private hospitals. We were uh, told it was a charity hospital. Well, yeah. you see, it, it, it's a public hospital, but it has a foundation or fundraising component to it. Because the government doesn't pay for all aspects of research at the hospital. I mean, they'll pay for acute care, uh, and, but, but uh, that hospital and a lot of other hospitals in Canada do their own fundraising, similar to, as universities do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the government pays for a large part of the cost of universities, but the university still has to go out and do fundraising. Gotcha. But, but more specifically, a hospital for sick kids is 
quite different than any other sort of public hospital. And I think because How so? of the fact that they're dealing with children, the staff there go above and beyond what you would normally see in a hospital. From the government hospitals, yeah. Not quite yeah. as resigned so, and I mean, cynical. You know, they're dealing with kids, and they really bend over backwards. Very good. Thank you for the clarification, Rob. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Hour 3 is on the way. Well, hopefully I have time to talk about the field permit, the trucker that was extorted by the DEA, or actually just blatantly robbed from. We'll get into all that, and your calls as well about whatever you want. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on our site, we can give them away, so enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. As we roll right into the phone calls, talk to Chris in Alabama. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hey, I'm not quite a doctor, but uh, I just wanted to uh, announce that we're putting together a uh, national Paint the Town Ron event on the weekend of September 29th. <laughs> Paint this the Town Ron. That's cute. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you, it's also called uh, Ron Paul Overnight. Some people might have heard of that. I but, have not uh, heard of this at all. Now, what is, what's going on? Well, basically, uh, there are about three dozen meetups that have signed on so far, and uh, we're all going to get together with our group and uh, make as many signs as we can um, about Ron Paul and post them in, in strategic areas around our uh, cities. And so it's going to be done gonna overnight have... is what you're saying. Right. Uh, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be done at night. It's Any time during the weekend of September 29th is fine uh, hmm. because the goal is to make it into the news cycle um, at the end of the weekend or on Monday morning. You think that a bunch of signs going up is going to get news coverage? Well, um, Memphis has done it. Uh, at least six other meetup groups have done it on a local level, and they've each been able to uh, get the attention of uh, local media. Now, where can um, one put up a sign for? I mean, obviously, you can put it up on your own property, and anywhere else, you're going to have to get the property owner's permission. Uh, what about public property? Are you allowed to put uh, signs on on that? Well, it it kind of depends on the law of uh, your city. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there are city ordinances a lot of places that you know um, we probably ought to respect. Uh, but most of the time, no one complains if if you put them up and then take them down the next day. Is um, that the plan to take them down yes. as soon as you put them up? Well, no, we're we're going to put them up, leave them up for you know the weekend, and then take them down at the end, so that you know we're not going to be accused of littering or anything like that. We don't want to draw any negative attention to the campaign. We just want it. Uh, get Ron Paul's name out there. Interesting. Well, very good, and good luck with that. Do you have any other thoughts? Uh, yeah, I just uh, if if you want to participate in this, um, we're putting up a website. But until then, you can go to chrisbruner.com. That's C H R A S B R U N N E R dot com, and it's the third story from the top. Great. This um, is that one gives this... you. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say this is one of the coolest things about the Ron Paul movement. The uh, the people that are supporting Ron Paul uh, for the presidency, they're the ones that are out there organizing themselves. They're not waiting for the campaign to give them some sort of orders. Uh, this top down. Right? Can you imagine Mitt Romney doing this crap? It does, I mean, somebody doing this stuff for Mitt Romney without yeah, um, without some kind of local, at the very least, 
local campaign managers control. No, this is just people that want to see Ron Paul elected. They're self-organizing. They're self-starters. They're getting out there. They're funding it on their own, and they're doing it on their own. And I think that uh, you guys are doing a great job, Chris. Any other thoughts? Thanks. I appreciate that. It's, it, it's, I mean, it's just really important to us. Thanks um, for the call, we, Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. I was going to say, as rich as Romney is, he doesn't have enough money to pay all the people who are doing what Ron... What, you know, the people who are doing things for Ron Paul, exactly. what they're doing at the decentralized voluntary level, which shows exactly what Ron Paul's about. is It's really the epitome of it. And it's, inc- it's an incredibly uh, powerful thing in that the Ron Paul campaign gets to leverage all this effort without having to l- let a dime leave their campaign coffers. Mm-hmm. So that way they can take that and they can focus that money on the areas that they think are important. And if you think that going out and putting up signs uh, for a weekend and then taking them down is something that you want to do, then go and do it. You don't have to ask anybody's permission to do so. And so- it, it, it's, it, since it's so grassroots, it kind of shows as it is grassroots, and that sticks in people's minds. You know, you expect a can- candidate to come out and say, all right, vote for me. What you don't expect is um, your friends and neighbors to be rabidly supporting one particular candidate. It's true. Yeah. And, and you know what's amazing is the songs people are writing about Ron Paul and the videos they're putting together on their own volition completely. Correct. Yeah. I, I, there's this one that I, I hear all the time. America really needs Ron Paul. I heard a different one today. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. On a different video. Uh, it is amazing. And how many people are writing songs about Hillary or Giuliani? No, I mean, nobody's writing songs about Barack Obama. These people are scumbag politicians. Even though he did get photographed with his shirt off or I mean, whatever. If there are songs being written, they're not loving songs. They're uh, parody songs. They're hate songs. Um, because that's what they do in the world of politics. They uh, snipe and attack at, each, uh, at one another. And Ron Paul's just a different sort of animal entirely. Anyway, we'll, uh, I'm sure, inevitably talk about Ron Paul some more in the future. 800-259-9231. In the meantime, we go back to the phones to Colin in our former stomping ground, Sarasota, Florida. Hello, Colin. You're on Free Talk Live. Oh, thank you very much, sir. I think I, uh, I, I've got some suggestions on reselling this war based on uh, collective names of animals. Because, <laughs> you know, when I, when I come to this country nine, ten years ago, I, all I heard was troops. We're supporting the troops. Mm. And I thought, well, isn't that a collective name for monkeys? Generally baboons. And uh, though, it, uh, I thought it was a troop for uh, kangaroos, too. <laughs> it, it, well, it could be. But, uh, you know, Henry Kissinger, of course, talked about the troops as dumb animals. That's I won't right. go into that. But uh, I've got some suggestions for you. Okay, sure. Um, to actually resell the Iraq war, make it more palatable to the American public. Um, possibly, um, I see ladybirds here, for instance, a loveliness of ladybirds might help. And instead of troops, a loveliness. So I think we should support our loveliness overseas. (laughs) Perhaps that's a good idea. Um, But more realistically, perhaps, um, if we're looking uh, to be more uh, ferocious, maybe a murder of crows. Ah, because that is Well, that's generally what we're doing over there anyway, possibly a million Wow. And um, if you look at it, um, hello. Yeah, we got you. Your, fa- cell, your uh, phone was fading a bit there. Go ahead. Okay. What is the walking fellas? So, um, and uh, perhaps the cockroaches. Well, that's an intrusion, apparently. It's an intrusion. It's an intrusion. Not an invasion, an intrusion. Support the intrusion. Well, nobody cares about crows or cockroaches, so then nobody cares if you kill them. Oh, well, Exactly. Well, what can I say? I've got a, 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 a wonderful bunch of uh, alternatives there. Maybe uh, Carl Rove wants to work with them. I'd love to go in, into. 
I'd love to go into politics deeper, but I've had a couple of Belgian beers, and I don't think that's good on the air. So. Colin, hey, thank you for the call. We appreciate <laughs> hearing very from much. you, and uh, enjoy the uh, the heat down there in Sarasota. You're awesome. Oh, will do. Thank hey, you. and if you know anybody looking for a house, send them over to house.freetalklive.com. I'm trying to sell mine there in Sarasota. Well, there's so. about $50,000 down here now, so come and take your pick. Yeah, that's how it's going. I, <laughs> There's a bunch of them. Low ball offers. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. As we go to Todd in Virginia. Todd, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Yeah, hey, I just wanted to elaborate on the uh, topic from last night about buying alcohol underage and yes. some of the side effects, let's say. Certainly. Go ahead. Uh, well, I just remember that when I was in high school, I spent uh, usually the, the early part of Friday evenings uh, – in the worst parts of town, uh, you know, waiting at these convenience stores like you're talking about last night. Mm-hmm. And that's actually where I was exposed to some other sort of drugs, let's say, like crack and, you know, things along those lines. So I that never would have happened if I didn't have to go to these stores. Mm-hmm. Standing out in front of the store waiting for people to come by and asking them to purchase alcohol for you. So in the crappier exactly. part of town, you were more likely to be able to purchase alcohol? Oh, definitely. That was, and, I, mean, and... you know, I knew everybody in the better section of the town. That was my... My neighbors, so I couldn't go there. I had to go to the sea parts of town. I had to pay the tax, you know, and we called them walkies. And, you know, it was, it was the, uh, the people just trying to make a buck, you know. Sure. The, um, the, the people who needed five bucks, bad, badly yeah. enough that they would uh, break the law and take a chance of getting in trouble. See, my brother exactly. had so, an account at a package store at 15 years old. Really? <laughs> yeah, the drinking age was 18 at the time, but. <laughs> Amazing. Any other th- uh, stories for us? Uh, no, I just, I mean, again, it was just sort of, that was my exposure to even worse elements. You know, I could have just been fine with a little alcohol and, and been happy, but instead I learned about, you know, crack and... Now, uh, did you ever actually buy any other drugs while you were standing in front of the store? Or? No, no, but again, you're kind of accosted by, right. by all these other people that see these, these white guys, you know, obviously not in their, in their area. Right. Yeah, so, so if you um, if you were your point is that if you weren't out as a teenager trying to acquire alcohol through you know illegal methods, you never would have come across these people offering you worse things. Exactly. Thanks for exactly. the call, man. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And that's something that parents who might have a uh, just when they hear the idea of lowering the drinking age that might recoil in fear from that concept really need to think about the. Uh, the unintended consequences of this drinking age being 21 or even 18. I think it needs to go away entirely because you're putting kids at risk by having them hanging out in seedy areas of town in front of convenience stores talking to who knows who about getting them uh, getting them alcohol. I mean, he's lucky he didn't get rolled or something like that. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. The toll-free number for you is 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, including archives, an entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the website. For your downloading convenience, go get them on us. That's freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Will it bother some scientists, especially in the case of young children? Savvy, Rest, Savvy Rest's mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. 
And I really like mine. What do you I'm, think? I'm enjoying the hell out of mine yeah. so far. Uh, that again, SavvyRest.com, 1-800-259-9231. I mentioned this uh, last hour, and I definitely want to get to it. Also, hopefully we'll get to this field permit thing in a moment. But first talking about, let's talk about asset forfeiture. Just an awful, awful idea that unfortunately goes on uh, a lot in this country. Police departments around the country have the ability to take your property, and there's not much you can do about it. In fact, all they have to do is level an accusation against you. Let's get to the uh, the story from the Pro-Liberate blog, or Libertate, I guess. William Grigg reporting. Anastasio Prito, a truck driver from El Paso, Texas, doesn't trust banks and prefers to carry his savings with him in cash. While this is a dangerous way to manage one's money, a cursory glance at recent headlines tends to validate Prieto's concerns about the stability of the fractional reserve banking system. And indeed, there are plenty of our listeners that are uh, the same way. They don't trust banks, they don't want their money in banks, and they, you know, rather just stuff it in a, you know, under their mattress or put it in a safe somewhere. In this case, he's a trucker, so he lives on the road. He has to keep his money with him. It would be difficult. Um, certainly, you couldn't have a local bank if you if you didn't trust banks. You you would likely le- um, trust less the big banks, the chains, like yeah, bank, bank of, America of America, and that kind of thing. Then you know, I mean, what what are your other choices? Well, during a stop at a way station in New Mexico on August eighth, Prieto made a critical mistake. He cooperated with the police, assuming that as a law abiding individual, he had nothing to fear from them. Never make that assumption. A New Mexico state trooper asked Prieto for permission to search his truck for contraband, such as needles or cash in excess of $10,000. Displaying an ingeniousness that breaks my heart, the truck driver consented, informing the officer that he was carrying nothing illegal, but admitting that he had $23,700 on board. Never consent to a police search for any reason. Never admit to a police officer that you're carrying large amounts of cash. Always assume that a police officer would make the same use of that information that he, that would be made by any other armed and potentially violent individual. He would find some way to steal your money. And that's exactly what the officer did to Prieto. With the help of his comrades from the federal Staatspolizei, uh, agents from the Drug Enforcement Administration and the Border Patrol, over his objections, Prieto was detained for several hours, photographed, and fingerprinted, while his truck was searched by agents with drug-sniffing dogs. Again, he, ass- he just consented to all this. They, he could have said no. As Brito had explained, his truck was devoid of contraband, so the police apologized profusely, returned his money, bought him a cold drink, and sent him away with a friendly smile and a wave. Oh, stop it. really. You're killing me. What country do you think we live in, anyway? The police forfeited, that is, stole. Prieto's savings. The DEA agents who presided over the theft, quote, told Prieto that he would receive a notice of federal proceedings to permanently forfeit the money within 30 days, and that to get it back, he'd have to prove it was his, and that it didn't come from illegal drug sales. Now, this is very interesting. Try to prove for a second, you've got some money sitting in your wallet, Try try to prove that money's yours. You know, make a paper trail. I can't. It's in my wallet. That's about all I can give you. Prove that it, prove that it wasn't, uh, you know, made by uh, drug sales. Can't do that. No. 
How the hell can you? It's just cash. Right. And we'll get to the uh, charges here in a moment. This is amazing. You see, under existing laws and recent legal decisions, quote, possession of a large sum of money by a motorist is strong evidence of connection to drug activity, unquote. So ruled the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit in a decision handed down almost exactly a year before Prieto was robbed at gunpoint in New Mexico. The case was titled United States of America versus $124,700 in U.S. currency. That's right. They charged the money and not the person. Exactly. And how does the money answer to that? It can't. Exactly. Does the money get a jury of its peers? I don't think so. They have a bunch of, you know, bills with only uh, dead people, presidents on it. Well, only well, people get juries, But Mark. these are de- they're debt notes, and they don't really belong to you. you you're able to hold them, and it's actually, it, it seems to me it's a privilege to hold them rather than a right, so it's not really your property. That's how they're acting. Yes, That's for exactly. Sure. Uh, you see, it's not necessary to find the owner of the money guilty of anything. The money itself can be convicted of involvement in criminal activity and punished by being permanently taken into government custody. Preto, the truck driver, has been told it will take a year for him to recover his stolen money, should the regime condescend to give any portion of it back. Meanwhile, he's apparently left penniless. Remember, this was his life savings. Hmm. And with no funds to maintain the truck that is his source of his livelihood. The collectivist state ruling us treated Preto in much the same way the Soviet state treated Ukrainian kulaks. At least those kulaks who were permitted to live, anyway. If our money can be seized from us simply because some agent of the state wants to, in what sense is it our property? Summary seizure and forfeiture of property, including cash by the police, is one of the larger gifts bestowed on our society by the murderous fraud called the War on Drugs. Ten years ago, Congress enacted a reform measure intended to rein in the practice, but as we see, it's pointless to attempt to reform a practice that should be abolished outright. You know, and it's difficult to reform these things when... These, this is what these cops are incentivized to do. That's right. I mean, right. They take, get to take, divide take. up the, do, the, the booty. What do you think your um, supervisors in uh, wanting you to do out there? And how you do we know it was $24,000? We, we don't. What if it was $34,000? Then it would be the trucker's word against the police's word. Yeah, God knows. And, and at this point, he's a drug suspect. He has to prove he's not. Invariably, in America, forfeited cash and goods are depicted as the ill-gotten gains of narcotics trafficking. It's never explained, however, how these supposedly dirty proceeds are magically cleansed once they're handed over to the police. The bounties seized by police are often used to buy the latest in tyranny tech, such as pimped-out SWAT vehicles and other goodies for the jackbooted pests who are deploying to bring in the loot. This makes a nicely self-sustaining system of official corruption. Thanks to asset forfeiture, the Bridgeport, Connecticut police can simply, uh, he posts post a video, which we obviously can't play for you, uh, can simply steal the money to buy cool toys without having to request it from officials who are expected to represent the interests of local taxpayers. In fact, asset forfeiture has made it possible for corrupt police departments, or do I repeat myself, to cut out courts and juries and get straight to the business of plunder. To expedite the process, and this is a story we've actually covered in the past, It's worth talking about again, though. Bradenton, Florida's police department devised a contraband forfeiture agreement. And he includes the PDF here. And we'll give you all this later on the BBS. You can see this all for yourself. For use by officers carrying out drug enforcement raids. Citizens who signed these agreements surrender their property, such as cash or cars, quote, to the department, all in caps, the department, all in caps, free and clear of all claims or liens. Unquote. They also waive their due process rights. In exchange, the police agree not to prosecute. So the cops come in to your home. They take your cash. They take whatever else they want to take. They take your cars. They give you this contraband forfeiture agreement, and they say, hey, just sign this. You won't get charged. 
Thank you, officer. Just leave me. Just please leave me and my family alone. You can take all my stuff. Sign the agreement. Now it's uh, completely legal, apparently. I mean, they're just covering the... They're doing a little CYA here just to make sure that no lawsuits can be brought against and that they can't even go after the uh, the forfeited stuff if they have a signature. That's the point of this. More on the way on asset forfeiture and your calls as well. Have you ever been involved in one of these situations? 800-259-9231. Better yet, do you think this is a good idea? This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can uh, also join us online at freetalklive.com. The wiki is there. Over 1,400 pages created by listeners just like you. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. It's totally free. Wiki. W-I-K-I dot freetalklive.com. And if you're getting sick and tired of uh, the police state... Getting sick and tired of this asset forfeiture garbage we'll continue talking about here in a moment. Maybe you should consider the Free State Project. Well, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the FSP. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Uh, continuing the story from William Grigg, link to it, lewrockwell.com. Janie Brooks, we're talking about asset forfeiture and how lucrative of a process it is for the police in your area. Because anybody, any police department in the entire country of America can engage in this behavior where if you get pulled over and you happen to have uh, $10,000 in cash, they're just going to take it. Well, you know, it doesn't bother – that. from a personal standpoint, that's never going to affect me. I don't think I've ever had $10,000 in cash in my hands. I just don't have any reason to have that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I've read stories where, um, you know, a mother loans a son a car to, uh, you know, go out and, and for whatever reason that car gets confiscated because the son had a joint or something like that. Sure. Um, or, you know, a, f- a friend loans a car. What if I loaned a friend my car? Now, I've definitely done that before. I generally loan it to people that I wouldn't imagine would have drugs in it. But you never, you never really know. Right. Another, I've read stories where rental units, where, and I own a rental unit. So where, do I. Um, a renter has been selling crack cocaine in the house, and the cops confiscated the property itself. You would think the landlord wouldn't be culpable for that, but you wouldn't think so. But 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 it happens. This is how these forfeiture laws are used, and they're you know they're they're crazy. You don't even get a chance to uh, prove. um, You know they don't have to prove in a court of law that you've used this item. Um, all they have to do is sell or procure drugs. That's all they have to do is level an accusation, and they get to take your stuff. Anyway, Janie Brooks, a local resident in her mid-50s, was taken into custody by police who claimed to find drugs in her car. The automobile and $1,200 in cash were confiscated, and Brooks was intimidated into signing an agreement. Remember, this is the contraband forfeiture agreement from Bradenton, Florida's police department, which basically, uh, again... It it gives everything that the the cops want to them and also waives all of your rights. It waives your right to a jury trial. It waives your right to challenge the uh, the, the forfeiture. It waives everything. So you can't – if you sign one of these uh, agreements, you can't even go after it in court. And likely these people don't even know what they're signing. They're nope. in shock from having their stuff taken. The cops the are probably threatening saying, them. Sign this. 
Do you, right. I mean, you sign a speeding ticket every time the officer gives you one. Do you know what you're signing there? I mean, are you signing your, your innocence away? What are you signing? Here's what she said, quote, He kept rushing me like, go ahead, things will be better if you do it. Uh, it was like there's going to be some sure, better time. for him. He said it was, there was going to be some big time stuff that happens to me if I don't sign it. And so it's typical. The cops are trained to intimidate people. In this case, they're going to scare people, and they're going to say, look, you either sign this form or we're going to bring you up on charges. And so people get scared. They don't want to go to prison. And if they feel like, oh, man, I'm going to lose my car and I'm going to lose my uh, cash, but I'm not going to go to prison, they feel like they're getting a deal. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're signing away all their rights. You know, you could see this thing coming. In the 80s, you had shows like Miami Vice on TV, which portrayed drug dealers as these scumbags, which a lot of them might be, but that they had too many rights, that they would hide behind their rights and their lawyers and everything. And this this isn't about protecting the rights of scumbags or drug dealers. This is about protecting the Your rights, rights of yeah, those who are wrongly accused of, of drug trafficking or, or whatever, because this is being used excessively, just like most laws like this are. Right. Inevitably... There, you know, maybe you will get through your life without getting caught up in some uh, investigation and being wrongly accused. But the fact is, your family members might, your friends might, people that you know may get pulled over and harassed by the police and coerced into, into signing one of these forms and having their property just stolen from them. And it's just one more way that the drug war is a war on America. On your freedom, yeah. On, yeah, on individual people's freedom. Because... You know, I, I understand that people don't want drugs to be available to their kids, and that's the reason that uh, drugs are essentially illegal. Mm-hmm. But do you want your kids exposed to possible time in jail for having a, a joint or something like that? I mean, the fact is, I think it's uh, more than 30% of uh, American teenagers have smoked marijuana. At least that, yeah. And, you know, the likelihood that your child is going to try marijuana is is it's out there. And, and the dis- likelihood they'll make a mistake and get caught is also out there. And yeah. do you want your, that for your child? And, and despite all these laws and enforcement and all this stuff, it's the number one cr- cash crop in America still. It is That's the right. number one so, cash so crop in America. It hasn't stopped anything. It's just created a bigger police state. Asked for his expert opinion of the practice of uh, law enforcement or the uh, this uh, asset forfeiture law profession. Professor Joseph Little of the University of Florida overcame a tragic handicap, decades of legal training, to offer a sensible assessment. Quote, it sounds like robbery to me, unquote. Indeed it does. Robbery coupled with extortion and more than a hint of terrorism. And it was immensely profitable. The county's asset forfeiture fund, that's Manistee County, Florida, at one point topped $150,000. Using almost exactly the same methods, traffic stops, and that's just their fund, which means there's money coming in and going out at all times. So it hit a peak at $150,000, but they're getting money in, they're spending it immediately. So who knows how much they brought in over a year's time. There's no way to tell. Using almost exactly the same methods, traffic stops, contrived searches, and armed extortion in lieu of prosecution, the Dallas County Iowa Sheriff's Department sucked up $1.7 billion from motorists traveling along I-80 between 2002 and 2006. That's one sheriff's department. $1.7 billion over four years. This profitable racket had to had to gear down just a bit after Sheriff Brian Gilbert was convicted of stealing $120,000 in stolen money. Hmm. No, sheriffs would never be corrupt in America. No, that's not possible. They're elected officials. But Gilbert's lenient sentence, the sheriff, get this. <laughs> the sheriff who stole $120,000. Right, now imagine for a second you stole $120,000 from your business. Here's What, what do gets. you think you would get? Yep, here's what he got. A $1,000 fine, a year's probation, and a brief term of community service. 
There is another. There, there's another class in America, and that class the is treated class. significantly better. That's the class of bureaucrats. Rather than a prison term, suggests his comrades have a license to steal from the general public, so long as they don't skim from the state's take. The same priorities govern the Soviet Union, of course. The police there were free to expropriate from the bourgeoisie at whim, but stealing from the state was a capital offense. Eight hundred. Two five nine ninety two thirty one. Your comments, your thoughts. Are you in favor of asset forfeiture? Let's go to the phones, and you can bring up anything. Talk to Paula first, ladies first. You're on Free Talk Live, Paula. Yeah, hi, hon. I tell you what, we have a serious problem here in Florida with drugs, and we've got the point now that we can't even get the police to even do anything about it. What are you talking about, Paula? We just read you story after story of people who are having their homes and cars and cash stolen by these out-of-control cops. The problem isn't drugs, Paula. The problem is these I cops. I know, and we've got a serious problem with drugs here. And, like, we have a, 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 a friend of mine that lives over here close to me, and this whole area is full of people that have drugs. They've been trying to get the DEA to do something, and, I mean, they're still not doing it. And, I mean, I know the jails are full. And we don't have much money. We've been trying to get some money, you know, for the sheriff departments, which they did supposed to have passed some money in the house for all the sheriff departments because of this. And uh, we have no room for anybody, even in our jails. Oh, they'll they build another one, Paula. Don't you worry about that. They'll build another jail so they can fill it with more drug users. And they can arrest your son or your daughter and, they'll and uh, your they'll grandchildren. They'll build it on your dime. That's don't right. Don't let them even try. You know, Paula, it's tragic that people are addicted to drugs, but locking them in prison cells is not the answer, don't you think? They need to get help. That's what they need. Well, the government doesn't give people help. The government just helps them into prison cells and helps them ruin their lives by giving them a criminal record for making simple mistakes like uh, smoking marijuana as a kid or something like that. Yeah, and they, they want them to work for the state, too. Yeah, I mean, sure give them in the prison so they can be their, their work slaves. Yeah, they're serfs. Thanks for the call, yeah. Paula. 800-259-9231. I sympathize uh, with those who are concerned about the drug problem. But again, the problem is the enforcers. The problem is the system. The drugs, yeah, they're bad. The drug war is worse. 800-259-9231. See, the drugs are just a symptom of a much deeper problem in our society. What, and what is that? Oh, we'll get into it after the break. All right, 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. We'll also get into your calls if you make them. Martin's on the line in Michigan, and we'll take your calls about anything. Rick in Texas, this is your show. You take control. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, only moments remain, just enough time for your call, if you make it now, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line, it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us, and if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping. Do what you normally do, buy the stuff you normally buy, just buy it through amazon.freetalklive.com. You've got to do the shopping anyway. I know you want that hot new book or DVD or uh, or new maybe new HD DVD player or something like that. There are all kinds of products, 41 categories to shop in. You go to amazon.freetalklive.com, place your order and a percentage of your purchase whether you're buying new or used items goes to Free Talk Live when you enter through that link. That's amazon.freetalklive.com. We're talking about uh, what well, we had just started talking about the uh, the drug problem in America. And Wayne, you had said that you believe it's a symptom of a much larger problem with the American population. And what is that? Well, uh, for example, you've got David Walker, the Comptroller General of the United States, warning about an impending financial crisis. And he, he always says, he always stresses to learn from the fall of Rome. Uh, the U.S. is headed for that. There's striking similarities between the current America and the imploding Rome. 
including declining moral values and, and political civility at home, uh, overconfident and overextended military, and fiscal irresponsibility. All of that leads to helplessness and hopelessness, and people feel the need to use drugs more than they would if you had a prosperous, happy society. Mm. I got gotcha. you. Well, likely they would, uh, you know, use some kind of mind-altering aspect anyway. But I can I can see how uh, hopelessness would would add to it all. That's right. It, it's certainly hopelessness would add to more irresponsible drug use. I mean, there's always going to be people, as Mark says, that are going to want to alter their states. Um, I'm one of those people. I like I like altering my state, and uh, so do a lot of other Americans. But if you're depressed, then the problems really start. If you are upset over your life and your circumstances and all of that, then you get into a dangerous area. Then you get into drug abuse. And a lot of people try to escape reality because re- reality isn't so good for a lot of people right now. Let's go to the phones, to the fun. You can talk about what you want. Rick in Texas, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Rick. Rick. Uh, good evening. Hey, what's on your mind, Rick? Okay, before I get to the uh, comments about what you're talking about, I want to encourage Alex Jones real quick. You're getting under their skin, brother. That's what? why they're attacking you so much. Who? What? You're not on the Alex Jones show, and most people don't even know who I that did. is, sir. Okay, anyway, he talks about a lot of the same stuff you do, and he's on the GCN network. But let me great, get great. What What's you're... on your mind tonight, Rick? All right. <clears throat> okay, I, uh, I have long hair. I, I play the electric guitar. Mm-hmm. All right. And therefore, I, I work at a low-paying job because of that. But mm-hmm. anyway, I was driving along one day uh, uh, in Belton, Texas, and I, I, I uh, supposedly ran a stop sign. I thought I stopped fully, but evidently the police officer didn't think so. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't have any drugs on me or anything like that or large amounts of cash. But, but anyway, you kind of looked like it, huh, with the long hair. Yeah, and he stops me and he says, I ran that stoplight. Stoplight or stop sign? Well, it doesn't matter. Stop sign. Stop okay. Sign. Anyway, I, I argue with him just a little bit, but then you know I just let him do his thing. And he gave me the ticket. But the first thing he asked me is, do you have any drugs, guns, or other terrorist items? And he had a smirk on his face when he said it. <laughs> terrorist <I> kind items. Of, <laughs> yes, and I kind of just, I said, no. And he said, mind if I look? And I thought, I wanted to see what would happen. So I, I said, uh, no, I don't mind. Oh, geez. So he said, get out of the car, please. And I got out of the car. He goes, go stand next to that other police officer. Mm-hmm. So I had to walk about. 50 feet behind his car, and there was another police car behind his with another officer standing there, and I had to stand there while he went through my personal property without me being able to observe what he was doing. Right. He could have pla- planted anything on there. He could have done anything. It took him 20 minutes. He wasted 20 minutes of my time That's right. looking through my car for what? A, 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 a routine traffic stop. It's ridiculous. Did you get a uh, ticket? For the uh, yes. running the stop yes, sign? Yes, I did. You did? Yes, I did. And he didn't put that he searched the car. You know, they have these little boxes. Car searched, yes, no. Contraband found, yes, no. He didn't put down any of that. Huh. Interesting. You know, uh, and, you're, you're fortunate that you, he, he wasn't angry at you and didn't decide to plant some marijuana in your car, as you, as you said, because he was out of your sight. He could have done anything he wanted to at that point. And uh, you do understand, Rick, that you could have said no, right? He was asking because he didn't have probable cause and he needed your permission to search. You, did, you do understand that, yes? And I will never say yes again. Did he make a mess, by the way? A lot of cops like to make a mess in the car. Well, it was a little pickup. There wasn't much mess to be made. I had a cooler full of 
actually, I did cre- uh, have a misdemeanor going on. I had beer in the uh, passenger side, mm-hmm. except it was so covered up with candy and soda pops and Gatorade that I, I couldn't possibly have gotten to it while I was driving. And I believe he could have charged me with a misdemeanor anyway. At least mm-hmm. I'll give him that much uh, credit. But it did take him 20 minutes. I was going to go eat a sandwich at Alvin Ord's. Yeah, and, and he wasted 20 minutes of my time. You're fortunate. That's actually fairly quick uh, for a police search. Usually, you know, you've got to wait on the dogs to come out, and uh, <laughs> that could take up to an hour and a half to two hours sometimes. I, I had a friend who was pulled over in the middle of the night, and he was uh, he spent two hours on the side of the road as the police decided to uh, to search him illegally. They just went ahead and searched. They didn't ask him, and they had no probable cause besides the fact that he was driving around at nighttime. Thanks for the call, Rick. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I, I, Just say no to searches. I often, about uh, stop signs, you know, what was the purpose of a stop sign originally? What was the idea? The, to stop the, people the, from the, hitting each other? The spirit behind the law. And it seems to me that stop signs have been taken a little too far as far as the enforcement sure. goes from the law, point, uh, law enforcement point of view. I mean, if you, if you take your car and you, you come to a, you know, let's, let's call it a relatively close to a um stop. Mm-hmm. You know, you slow down to five miles an hour or something like that, and you roll through the stop sign. People you, do it all the time. You kind of look both ways. You have a chance to, to, to view everything. This is just a neighborhood where cars, you know, sometimes come, sometimes don't. You see that there's no children or dogs running out in the, in the middle of the street, and then you go. I, I don't think that the original purpose of the stop sign was so that you come up to the stop sign, you stop, your car rocks back, and mm-hmm. then you're free to go. Doesn't that sound a little too... Draconian? I don't know. Like they, They're just enforcing the rules a little too much. The sign says stop. It doesn't say come to That's a five miles know, an hour. Mark. I mean, There's no middle ground these for these signs cops. These signs were, um, you know, originally they came up with them when cars would stall all the time. People would be even less likely to stop than mm. now. It just, I don't know. I don't think that stop signs were, the original intent behind stop signs was, in fact, stopping. I think you're probably right. You know, you come to so many stop signs where it's just totally and abundantly clear that there's no one coming uh, from whatever connecting road there is. And, you, and why should you waste your brakes and waste more gasoline? You know, I mean, it's expensive to maintain a car, and I try to do whatever I can to minimize, you know, the wear and tear on my car. So, as far as I'm concerned, a stop stands for slow to observe police. <laughs> sometimes the cops will park. I mean, you talk about a, a neighborhood stop sign. I've got one right out in front of my house. Yeah. And sometimes the cops will park down the street, and they'll sit there, and they'll monitor, just watching people roll through the stop sign, and they'll pull person after person over. Uh, and it's just a very lucrative thing for them. It doesn't Revenue. have anything to do with safety. No, it's about fundraising. It's everything to do with obedience. Continuing you have with the not phone follows the rules. Let's go to Martin in Michigan. Martin, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind, sir? Hey, guys. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say Paul is right. The drug problem is getting bad. In fact, there's a 74% chance that I may be trying marijuana after the show tonight. Hey, I'd say there's a good chance <laughs> I might too. Um, what else is on your mind? Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to. I've mind. been listening for about two years, maybe a little longer. Uh, and I don't think I've missed a show in that time. Wow. Yeah. Excellent. I've, well, you know, podcast, and you can catch up very easily. But uh, I've been trying to get my wife to come over to our side for a long time, and her her excuse has always been, yeah, but that doesn't affect me. You're oh, looking for things. It doesn't affect me. Well, I think we finally got her today. Okay, what happened? Yesterday I backed out of my driveway. I should tell you that my wife has a phobia of small rodents, rats, uh, possums, that sure. type of thing, anything with a tail. Hanging on, I was backing out of the driveway. She yelled, what is that? Hanging on the uh, fire hydrant at the behind my driveway was a dead possum. 
<laughs> and she was very upset by this, so she called animal control. Okay. She called um, animal control in a dead possum? <laughs> yes, to have it removed. Okay. okay. Animal control called her back this morning, letting her know that uh, they want to know where it was. She said it was on the fire hydrant. She said they told her, well, that's not our division. We only take care of them if they're on the road. <laughs> Call the sanitation department. Well, she called the sanitation department, and they said, we can't do it because it's on the fire hydrant. Call the, Call fire, the fire department. Sweet. Nice. The fire department then directed her back to animal control because it was an animal. Right. Welcome to the past the buck land. Well, the fire department's not paid to go out there and clean up dead animals. We're not doing that crap. Call animal control. So, Martin, you've got right. like 30 seconds to wrap this up, man. Uh, the flies will eat it eventually. That's for, it's never going anywhere. So do you um, feel like that made an impression on her? Like, you know, I this think is... she finally saw it, because the whole time she was doing it, I said, what do you expect from government bureaucrats? They're always going to tell you it's not their department. Call somebody else. But they're yeah. going to take your money anyway. Exactly They'll take right. our taxes, but they won't do anything. Thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate the story. It has been Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. And we shall return tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.